here or if we want to um, uh, do, I don't know, if we want to uh, meet at homes, like we can go around. I know our home's a little farther away. Uh, but anyway, just think about that. Let me know because we're getting into that. It's going to be really, really hot. Or we need to make like a very concerted effort to start earlier and get done before this time of day. Yeah. Um, so we, we can talk about all that later. Just think about what would be easiest for you guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So, so yeah, so whatever, wherever we want to meet and we can tra change around homes and, you know, if you, I don't know, if you guys, we, anyway, we'll, we'll just, we can work it out however we want. We can do whatever we want. So we're on Hosea 9 and just to catch us up, Hosea was told by God to go and marry an unfaithful woman. So he did, and each of the children got these horrible names that you would not want to walk. I mean, we think people naming their kids Apple is weird, but these kids are named like the Lord has abandoned me, you know, <laughs> like just these names that you would not want to give, you know, yeah, 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 so, but I mean, it, but it's not about them, it, you know, I'm sure that he was making sure they knew God gave you this name because this is what he's doing in judgment in your lifetime, you know, this, you are prophetic of God, what God's doing, it's not, it's not you, um, which is, you know, the prayer, the prayer of, of what's, Jabez? Yeah. And and you know the prayer that the prayer that Jabez prayed was that God would do the opposite of everything that his name meant. It wasn't just like everybody should pray the prayer of Jabez and God's gonna do all these things. It was that Jabez's name meant basically abandoned by God and fruitless and you know, and so what Jabez was saying is if you give me everything that is opposite of the meaning of my name, everyone will know it's you <laughs> because it's, you know, this is my legacy that I've been given. So anyway, so when, you know, he's, she's gone and then he told her to go take him take her back and then she left again and then he told her to go buy her back and redeem her. Uh, so now we're in Hosea 9 and it says, don't rejoice Israel to jubilation like the nations. For you were unfaithful to your God. You love the so and I and I so the nations are out rejoicing, and he's telling you know he's telling Israel oh you don't you don't rejoice with them. They weren't unfaithful to God. You were. You being over there is the problem. You know them being over there, that's just where they are. You being over there is not okay. What? The what? Yeah, yeah. He kept telling them, "You've, you've, you've thrown every, yeah, and that you've thrown everything, like basically everything I've given you, you gave them credit for. So fine, go get it from them. I'm not giving it anymore. And when it doesn't come, because it's a tree that you're praying to, it's a rock that you're worshiping. When those things don't give you all the things you need, and then you realize it really was me." Then we'll talk. You're worshiping different things than God. Right. That's right. So the threshing floor, oh, so you love the wages of a prostitute at every grain threshing floor. The threshing floor and the wine press won't feed them, and the new wine will fail her. They won't dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim will return to Egypt, and they will eat unclean food in Assyria. They won't pour out wine offerings to the Lord, neither will they be pleasing to him. 
Their sacrifices will be to them like the bread of mourners. All who eat of it will be polluted. For their bread will be for their appetite. It will not come into the Lord's house. What will you do in the day of solemn assembly and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For behold, they have gone away from destruction. Egypt will gather them up. Memphis will bury them. Nettles will possess their pleasant things of silver. Thorns will be in their tents. The days of visitation have come. The days of reckoning have come. Israel will consider the prophet to be a fool and the man who is inspired to be insane because of the abundance of your sins and because your hostility is great. A prophet watches over Ephraim with my God. A a fowler's snare is on all of his paths and hostility in the house of his God. They have deeply corrupted themselves as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish them for their sins. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at its first season. But they came to Baal Peor and consecrated themselves to the shameful thing and became abominable like that which they loved. As for Ephraim, their glory will fly away like a bird. There will be no birth, no one with child, and no conception. Though they bring up their children, yet I will bereave them so that not a man shall be left. Indeed, woe also to them when I depart from them. I have seen Ephraim, like Tyr, planted in a pleasant place, but Ephraim will bring out his children to the murderer. Give them, Lord, what will you give? Give them a miscarrying womb and dry breasts. All their wickedness is in Gilgal, for there I hated them. And again, hated not meaning like we say hate, but, you know, Esau, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated, meaning Jacob was the one chosen for this. Hated is, I, these are one of those things where kind of like the prostitute thing. The words have, yeah, the words have, and it's not necessarily that it's a bad translation. It's an unfortunate translation, you know, because of what the words mean in our day, in our culture, we read them and it's very easy to think, oh, God hates them. You know, and this is where, these are those passages where, well, you know, the Jews rejected God, so God rejected them. It's like, well, rejected is, you know, it means you rejected me, so I let you go. I didn't choose to go chase after you and tackle you and force you to worship me, because that's not actually how it works. So, so the, when you go back to the words and it, you know, freeing or letting, you know, just, just different, different words that you come in contact with and, and they mean one thing to us. And they may have even meant different things in whatever time they were, you know, when they were translated. Some of them, like when, when we looked at the two, the two ways that, you know, the, the, the contradiction in how Judas died. You know, he hanged himself and then he fell on his sword. Well, yeah. except in King James's time, falling on your sword was called hanging yourself. So, <laughs> it, yes, he did. He did both. They were the same thing. And so this is, you know, when he says, go marry, go marry a whore, go marry a prostitute. It was, it was the unfaithful woman, you know, which is why Rahab, probably not an actual prostitute, you know. Um, you know, though in her culture she may have been, and yet, you know, she was redeemed and got to be in the line of Messiah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just, we have to be careful there. I hated them. Because of the wickedness of their deeds, I will drive them out of my house. I will love them no more. All their princes are rebels. Ephraim is struck. Their root has dried up. They will bear no fruit. Even though they give birth, yet I will kill the beloved ones of their womb. And so, you know, there's, there's, 
this idea of all of these things that he's saying will be done to them are the things that he warned Israel about. Choose my path. These are the things that are waiting for you. These are the things you find on the other path. And so, you know, it, it kind of comes down to, and, and, and a lot of times you, there's these big debates over, well, did God do it or did God just allow it to be done? And then, you know, then the atheist comes in and says, what's it matter if he didn't stop it? You know, and he could have, it's still his fault. Well, you know, if it were really just about did he allow it or did he do it, then yeah, but that's not really what it's about. It's about, he lays out very clearly, <laughs> this path goes this way, this path goes this way. This isn't like a Walt Whitman, you can pick either path and be fine and have a great adventure. You know, this isn't a road less traveled thing. This is set a course. On this course, there's these things. And the reason that he's not going to prevent them if you're on that course is because you've walked away and at the point where you want, the, you know, where you, where you realize, oh, I am way out of God's protection. I am way out here on my own. I don't know. I might, you know, you oh, I see how I got here. I see the choices I made. It's simply correct your course and you're right back on the right path. And we saw with we saw with um, with the one king, and, and I I think this is about at that time where uh, the the son of the king and queen when they went to try and you know could you could you pray and ask God to heal our son? And the reason God was taking the son was because he was the only one righteous, and, and you know the, their baby was the only one who hadn't you know, been corrupted by by the sin in the community. So he was taking him away before everybody else had to suffer. So it's not like, you know, take the children dying in this situation is, is God punishing the parents so much as it's God removing the children so they don't have to suffer with everybody else. And, you know, our, we, again, our society, and, and I'm not, there are things here and I, that I read and go, oh, this is very hard. This hurts. This makes me sad. You know, this is... And, and as I've studied more and found out, like, the actual things that were being done and, you know, the different ways that they were being, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, they stole something from their neighbor. You know, it's, it's like they, they weren't just pursuing the gods who had you, you know, bow three times in a different direction. It, it was just this entire cultural corruption and, and God's getting them out of the land. You know, he's like, this is, you know, it's kind of like when you look at, there's a difference between little kids doing normal little kids things and teens doing things that sometimes may look rebellious. And then, and then, you know, you've got the, the adult who's out there doing, you know, just completely, you know, raping and murdering and on a mass cultural, it's okay to do that level. And, and it would, yeah, we watch law and order. I know I watch law and order, like law and order SVU and, and I'm going, this is so horrible. How is that person even still alive? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> it's like a society of that. And, and thinking that that's all okay. You know, this isn't just like, you know, I don't like how you're treating each other. And, and it's because it doesn't go into the detail of all that they're doing here, it's, it's really easy to go, well, you know, but we do wicked things. How do we know God's not going to do that to us? And 
So my God will cast them away because they didn't listen to him, and they will be wanderers among the nations. You know, and again, not because they didn't listen to him going, you need to stop. It was because they completely rejected his word. So Hosea 10, Israel is a luxuriant vine that produces his fruit. According to the abundance of his fruit, he has multiplied his altars. As their land has prospered, they have adorned their sacred stones. Their heart is divided. Now they will be found guilty. He will demolish their altars. He will destroy their sacred stones. So the more he gave them, the more they put what he was giving them into worshiping their idols. He will, uh, surely now they will say, we have no king, for we don't fear the Lord. And the king, what can he do for us? They make promises, swearing falsely and making covenants. Therefore, judgment springs up like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria will be in terror for the calves of Beth Aven, for its people will mourn over it, along with its priests who rejoiced over it, for its glory because it has departed from it. It also will be carried to Assyria for a present to a great king. Ephraim will receive shame, and Israel will be ashamed of his own counsel. Samaria and her king float away like a twig on the water. The high places also of, of Avon, the sin of Israel, will be destroyed. The thorn and the thistle will come up on their altars. They will tell the mountains, cover us, and the hills fall on us. Israel, you have sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they remained. The battle against the children of iniquity doesn't overtake them in Gibeah. What it, when it is my desire, I will chastise them, and the nations will be gathered against them, when they are bound to their two transgressions. Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh, so I will put a yoke on her beautiful neck. I will set a rider on Ephraim. Judah will plow, Jacob will break his clods. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap according to kindness, Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and rains righteousness on you. You have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies, for you trusted in your way in the multitude of your mighty men. Therefore, a battle roar will arise among your people, and all your fortresses will be destroyed. As Shalman destroyed Beth Arbel in the day of battle, the mother was dashed in pieces with her children. So Bethel will do to you because of your great wickedness. At daybreak, the king of Israel will be destroyed. So Hosea 11. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Okay, so, so this, is, this is really important because one of, you know, one of the, the things that he's showing here, when, is, when he brought Israel out of Egypt, he was... He, and there's other places where it talks about him being a to Israel being a toddler at that point, or like a young child. And and while all of the judgments and things that are happening are horrible and harsh, when Israel came out of Egypt, Israel was a child. And as Israel has grown, Israel is now a man. And you know this is hundreds of years later. And it's at this point that he's saying. Okay, it's thorough. And keeping in mind how many times God preserved this or that group because one person, you know, one person repented, one person did this. And, and so the, the fact that it's gotten to this point means this is really, like it's, this isn't just people running around innocently doing mistakes. 
So when Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. They called to them so that so they went from them. They sacrificed to the Baals and burned incense to engraved images. Yet I taught Ephraim to walk. I took them by his arms, but they didn't know that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man with ties of love, and I was to them like those who lift up the yoke on their necks, and I bent down to him, and I fed him. So when he couldn't come to me, I went to him. I lifted the burden of what he was doing. I held back all these consequences. I protected him because he didn't understand. They won't return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian will be their king because they refuse to repent. The sword will fall on their cities and will destroy the bars of their gates and will put an end to their plans. My people are determined to turn from me. Though they call me the Most High, he certainly won't exalt them. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over to Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboim? My heart is turned within me. My compassion is aroused. So even in the midst of all of this declaration, God's heart is, this is, this is breaking his heart. And this isn't really a, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. It's a, we are at this place where these things have to happen and I am tormented. I don't want this to happen. You know, this is when, when Paul is talk, talking, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And this is, this is that heart that's being expressed. And it's, you know, t- taking them out of the land is the kindest thing that he can do for them right now. I mean, he's not killing them all. He's not destroying everyone. He's letting them go out in pursuit of what they've pursued. So I will not execute the fierceness of my anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not man, the Holy One among you, and I will not come in wrath. They will walk after the Lord who will roar like a lion, for he will roar and the children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling like a bird out of Egypt and like a dove out of the land of Assyria, and I will settle them in their houses, says the Lord. So he's sending them out so that they can come back. Ephraim surrounds me with falsehood and the house of Israel with deceit. Judah still strays from God and is unfaithful to the Holy One. Um, And 12. Ephraim feeds on wind and chases the east wind. He continually multiplies lies and desolation. They make a covenant with Assyria and oil is carried into Egypt. The Lord also has a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his deeds, he will repay him. In the womb, he took his brother by the heel. And in his manhood, he contended with God. So if you remember Jacob's birth, where he was holding Esau's heel, and then later he wrestled with God. Indeed, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and made supplication to him. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even the Lord, the God of hosts, the Lord is his name of renown. Therefore, turn to your God, keep kindness and justice, and wait continually for your God. A merchant has dishonest scales in his hand. He loves to defraud. Ephraim said, Surely I have become rich. I have found myself wealth. In all my wealth, they won't find in me any iniquity that is sin. But I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. I will yet again make you dwell in tents, as in the days of the solemn feast. I have also spoken to the prophets, and I have multiplied visions. And by the ministry of the prophets, I have used parables. If Gilead is wicked, surely they are worthless. In Gilgal they sacrifice bulls. Indeed, their altars are like heaps in the furrows of the field. 
Jacob fled into the country of Aram, and Israel served to get a wife. And for a wife, he tended flocks and herds. By a prophet, the Lord brought Israel up out of Egypt, and by a prophet, he was preserved. Ephraim has bitterly provoked anger. Therefore, his blood will be left on him, and his Lord will repay his contempt. So we're ending on a bummer. (laughs) I mean, this is... It's one of you know, and it's it's one of those things where when I listen to people today and and they compare are you know, are there comparisons to the things some of the things that go on in our world today? Yes, absolutely. Um and yet in a sense, you know, we are one of the lands to which Israel was you okay? Okay. <laughs> you know, the U.S. isn't Israel. <laughs> the U.S. isn't, you know, being a citizen here doesn't make you part of God's chosen people. <laughs> not, not that you're not wanted and not loved and, and part of, you know, the whole world to be saved kind of a desire. It's just applying these prophecies to today, there needs to be that qualifier in there of, you know, if, if I hear, if I were to hear somebody saying, you know, these are the things that I feel like God's putting on my heart. These, this is how He feels about this, or these are. The, but you can't just take these verses and say them about America and say this is what God says. And you know, He even, even in here, He's saying these are the things you're going to do when you're out with those nations. You know, go live among them. Go do these. This is what those nations do. And you know, these. It's just very, I feel like these are those moments where as part of his kingdom people, we have to say, search me, Lord. (laughs) Not I'm going to (laughs) proclare or proclaim, you know, and declare all these horrible things to other people. You know, seek me, especially when the people who are declaring them, when when their time comes and they have their, their fall from grace, it's usually in whatever they were accusing everybody else of doing, you know. (laughs) It's like, just. Focus on, you know, focus on, get, if, if everybody who claims to love God, if everybody who calls God their God, if everybody who is, is supposed to be part of his kingdom people, if we would do right, it would impact the world. But if we sit and yell for everybody else to do right like they're supposed to, and we're not doing right. Because that that was, you know, at the heart of what he was saying. I can't hold the people responsible. Yeah. <laughs> it's the man in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where he's, yeah. So it's a little bit feeling like crap and knowing that feeling like crap because nothing's changing in our lives and it might be changing somebody glaring out right. things to you so they're not setting up things right for you anymore. And so you, it kind of hinders the way you allow things to be set up for yourself. Right. Well, I know one of the things, you know, and I especially seeing this because of being, you know, mom of five very different kids and you probably saw you know, similar things and just any, you know, anytime you have more than one kid and you see different personalities at work, it's very easy to 
mistake weeds for fruit, especially pretty weeds. Because there's pretty weeds, you know. There are weeds that we pick and take home and put in a vase because they're so pretty, but they're still weeds. Mm -hmm. And and so when when they're young, you know, we have to be careful that we're not tending the weeds <laughs> because they're pretty. And yet at the same time, there are there there are fruit bearing plants that start out looking like weeds. And we've got to make sure we're not pulling those when we're weeding the garden, you know, and, and we're, we're trying to work with them. And a lot of times, you know, when people will say, oh, I just need to get, you know, this is my child is doing this. And, I, and I'm like, you do know that if you could nurture that and teach them how to use that, that's a really amazing, you know, I've come to see that that will grow into this tree and produce this fruit. And, and yet we're fighting about these, you know, ugly baby fruit-bearing things <laughs> and, and nurturing these, these weeds. And, you know, when, when God's saying to them, he's like, how do, I, how do I hold the people accountable when their parents didn't teach them? But then how do I hold the parents responsible when the priest didn't teach them? And nobody knows what they're doing. And, and that's really this, this is that place of... There's not even any, they're not listening to the prophets I send. And that's the last thing that could stop them before I have to get them out of here. Because if they stay, they're going to die. And so really, you know, the thing that I always, and, and we've kind of talked about this from different angles, but with the prophets, how they were always told to do things. They were doing them to be a picture to everyone else of what God was saying. So, you know, even the people who want to say, well, I have a prophetic word and I'm giving it to you because it's about you and you have to do it and you have to do this. If they aren't living out something about that, might be word to them that they're, <laughs> that they're wanting to give to everybody else, you know. But truly, if we could all just go in and search our own heart and go, Okay, find the root of these things in me. If my parent didn't know to pull that root and it's grown into something, even if it has a flower on it that I think is pretty, help me, help me dig that out. Help me get that out of there. Help me make room for more beautiful fruit to grow. You know, help me, help me to do, help me to do what I need to do with me today. Help me to take, to do that with my children who I'm responsible before you for because you entrusted them to me. And, and then we would be going around and, and loving people where they are. You know, because if you're in, and you're in a relationship with people and you're loving them where they are, it becomes obvious where there's differences. Yeah. And, and, you know, when, when uh, my life had fallen apart years ago and I, 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 you know, that point where God said, okay, you know, one step more away, you're gone, come back, you know, we'll fix this. And, and I started going back to church. I didn't start hanging out with different people. I still had my friends, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we would still go out, we would go out and karaoke. We would, we just did all the same stuff we did. It's just, I was slowly changing and I was slowly doing things differently. And, and like a year later, as we were leaving karaoke one night, we met, you know, this group of people. They're like, so what are you guys doing tomorrow? And I said, oh, I, you know, I got to get up early and go to church. And, and my, my friend looked at me and she says, 
I'm going to go with you. And she was very drunk, so I was like, okay. You know? <laughs> so, do, do you want to come sleep on my couch tonight? And she goes, no, I will be there. I know you don't think I'll show up, but I'm going to be there. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And I thought, well, you know, I hope she shows up. But so, so she showed up, and, and, she came, and I was like, oh, you made it. She goes, I told you I was going to make it. <laughs> I knew you didn't think I would. And so we went to church, and, and when, you know, and they did an altar call, and she got saved. And we went out to lunch after, and she goes, okay, so basically a year ago when you started going back, because we both had gone through very, very similar crises, like very similar, just, just even the details of how, how it happened, just very similar, weird, awful things. And she said, you started going to church, and I went more in the direction that I had already been going. And she said, I was really, I was really scared when you started going to church because I've never known a Christian who was not like pointing out everybody's sins and Bible thumper. And, you know, our other friend and I, we sat and talked and said, well, we'll see how long we can hang out with her because this is going to get, this is going to get ugly fast. And I never did, you know, every now and then I'd share if the pastor had made a funny joke, I would share it, you know, and they'd laugh. But I never, if they asked me what we taught, what the teaching was on, I'd go, it was about this. And, you know, I'd answer questions, but. She said, I just watched as this last year, your life started getting more together and my life was falling more apart. And it dawned on me, the only difference I could see between us was that you once a week took off and went over there and I didn't. So I knew I needed to find out what was there because that whatever was there was doing something to you that I didn't have access to. <laughs> that was, that's funny because I, I, I get a lot of practice at work because I'm in a Management uh-huh. or, well, now we have less people, so it's like 14 people. Uh-huh. And a couple of them I have been working with for like the past two years. Mm-hmm. And so I was telling my mom that, you know, if they invite me to something, I'll go hang out with them after work. Yeah. And like, I'll, and I'll still look the same and talk the same. And right. Home, like, as I do at work. And so, like, I feel like they've been watching me this whole time. Right. And I and I barely realized it. Like, I'm just going with how I usually do Right, right. Because you're not doing it for that purpose. Exactly. You're just being you. So then yeah. I was like, so then when I finally, real, like, really, really realized that I've been what being watched. My right. Is like, they had invited me to um, this place where it was kind of like a a crab shack. Uh-huh. And so I couldn't eat nothing in there. Uh-huh. But I went because she invited me and it was her birthday party. Yeah. And I got, I bought her a gift and a pretty card. She got all emotional and was like, yeah. thank you, Lisa. And then um, I saw that they had salmon on the menu. Uh-huh. And this person had snow leg crab and, yeah. crab and lobster and shrimp and like all this stuff I don't eat. Like here I am with my little salmon and, and, and mixed vegetables. Uh-huh. And I was just like, oh, this is a, a trip. But... Um, two weeks after that, I'm walking, um, I'm not at work and I have to do rounds every now and then. Mm-hmm. And my coworker, Ian's, she's like, Lisa, come over here quick. I think I want to be a vegetarian. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Okay, let me finish so, my memo. Yeah, so I go, and I go over there and all three of them, they're like, are your ears burning? Because we've been talking about you for the last 30, 45 minutes. I'm like, oh, have you guys been talking about <laughs> And so... It was three women, and, like, one of them was looking at biblical stuff as uh-huh. to why I eat the way I eat. Yeah. And one was looking at scientific stuff as to why I eat the way uh-huh. I eat. And the other one was, was grossed out at the fact that 
lobsters and crawfish were in the roach family. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't want to call my lobsters roaches. So they were all putting their pieces together, and they're like, that's why Lisa doesn't do that. And so they're just over there like a, like – just basically saying and we get it. Yeah. Now well, and, and you didn't. And we want to do what right. you're doing. And I'm See, like, and you didn't have to, to say. <laughs> like, you know, but you didn't have to, you didn't have to I'm, say I'm, a word. I'm, you just didn't do it. I'm, and, and that's, so, and that's why when, when I, that, that is how I've come to see. And, and when I read Paul's words talking about it, and when I read Yeshua and I go, I see it so differently than I used to that, that, you know, the difference in the difference in most doctrines comes down to the distinction between whether you believe God is a judge who loves or God is love that judges because the Bible says, yes, it says God, you know, God is the judge. God is, you know, the big judge. But God is love. And when we stand, and, and the, just when you read the descriptions of the people who stood in God's presence, and they're overcome with how sinful they are, it's not because God's going, so, snapping out the list. Got your sins right, right. here, you know. It's because That's they... Peter's... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. When Peter meets you at the gate, he does that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but but when when this described as a video screen to me, yeah. they would show you on a video screen like a projector oh. in front of everybody everything you ever did. Yeah, I was like, that sucks because you don't know all the things you did. You forgot them when you died. I mean, Maybe, what is the yeah, no? Because Maybe because it's showing everybody. everybody. Do you want everybody in line to see like, well, everything if, you did? If we're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Not much they can do. But but I've really come to see it as when and, and understand that when we stand in the presence of God, everything about his holiness, everything where we lack that will be glaring to us. And and it's not, it doesn't have to be like nobody's gonna have to say anything, and it's not gonna have you know, it's like when when um she was, goes, you know, is taken to the throne room, and, and he falls down and says, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, I, I, and he falls down, and God says, okay, get up. And he touches the coal to him, and he purifies him. And it's, when we stand, it, it's, it's the impact Yeshua had on his world. People would stand in his presence and become very aware of the fact that there was something about him that was very different from what was about them. And they either hated it or loved it. And, and that re- reaction to him, that was the judgment. The judgment was being in God's presence pulls everything out of your heart and makes it tangible to you. And then you have a choice to do something. You know, that's why the, the rich ruler walked away sad, not confused. And so, you know, it's kind of like when our children, you know, my children, when, they, when they've done something wrong, I know, not because, you know, I demand that they tell me, but because they act differently. They're uncomfortable or they're, they're absent. They don't want to be around me. They don't, you know, or they're very quiet. 
you know, and, and usually it's, if I let, if I don't say anything and I just let it go and I just continue to love them and treat them like they're not doing that, they eventually come and they share with me. And, and it's, you know, it's like what, I mean, and with God, he knows what we did. When we go and confess it to him, it's not because, you know, we did it when he wasn't looking and we should probably let him in on it. It's because we're at that point where we're, I mean, confession is that point of saying, I don't want to carry this anymore. I need to turn this over to you because it's, I, it's weighing me down. And so, you know, when you're around people, it's, it's obvious, you know, you don't have to say anything. You don't have to get on them. And It makes me think about like... When God's like, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because at first I didn't get it because I was like, this is not easy and it's super shiny. Yeah, and people are looking at me. (laughs) Well, like, it's because when my cousin first um, started, like, helping me get closer to God and stuff, like, her thing was, I'm going to tell you what what the thing is in your eye and then you fix it and then... And then you give me a status report on yourself, you know, or I tell you if it's been fixed enough and that it hasn't been fixed enough. Which is a good personality in some areas. So I'm trying to, what position did God give her? I'm trying to, so it's like, okay, I like the fact that I'm getting closer to God, but then I don't like the fact that I have this burden on me of like this culture that she was in of. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with yeah. you, and I'm going to tell you what's wrong with other people, and yeah. while we're learning about something in God's word, oh, that person just popped in my mind, so now I'm going to start making judgment calls, and so it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's That's like a very heavy burden. It is, because I don't want to do that to people, so then yeah. I just was kind of like, let every good thing go, like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And so going to work, like, there's been a number of things that has happened that that I bear testament to that leads me to, the, to these conclusions, and it's like... Um, to the to the conclusion that it's it is very easy and it is very light because I don't have to do anything right, but except just obey you him and stay the same. When you focus on the log in your eye, and that's what you that's the key, like focus right on the log in your own eye. And and you when you the irony is the people going around telling everybody about the splinter in their eye are ineffective at any of this. And when you focus on the log in your own eye and people see that you're not judging them, you're just working on you, then they are motivated to find out more. And I found it's out like, that I'm motivating people yes, without even knowing that I'm motivating yes, them. And then they because, come with this like deep speech and I'm sitting there with my mouth open like, yes, because I God, that. <laughs> because it's God's job to change them. Right. Yeah, not It's mine, your job to work with them. God to change you. Yes, yeah. And when you're doing your job... You free God to do his, I mean, not that God needs us to free him to do our job. It's just, we're in the way a lot. <laughs> we are the sibling running in and to shine through his people. So yes. then he's like, I want to work through you in order for them to bear testament to what I'm doing with you. So that right. they can be motivated. And right. so now there's a lot of people who are motivated at work and I'm just like, and they, and like every day they're like more and more motivated. They that is awesome. And I'll hang out with them. Uh-huh. And, and and everything will be fine, but I'm not gonna get drunk. I'm not gonna eat what I don't want to eat. Yeah, or what's not on my heart to eat. Like, and then they see that I'm really different, but at the same time, they see that I'm not judging them. Right. And I'm not telling them what they should and shouldn't do. Right. But then we've had people come into work who are like religious like that, and and those they totally reject it. 
they they feel so judged and so guilty and they they turn beet red and they get real angry and then the next thing you know that person doesn't have a job yeah and you're yeah. like whoa yeah I was telling a, a a friend of mine who's who's an atheist I was telling her I feel like a lot of what I spend my time doing is apologizing for other Christians <laughs> and I don't want to I wish I didn't have to and I don't and I don't think they're doing anything on purpose. I think they're truly doing what they believe is best. They really are. I think that they're they're well intentioned and and they're doing what they were told to do. You misguided. know, misguided. Do I misguided? Yeah, yeah, and and misled. You know, like like we've all been misguided. Right. Yeah. I've, thank God for anybody who apologized for me when I was was I making mistakes. You know, and and it's. And it's so it's I you know even when I'm saying that to them I'm try I'm trying to in my heart I'm trying not to focus on the splinter in <laughs> in the eye of the people who are doing this because when you go you know but like like God's saying here through Hosea you know I can't blame the people because that's what they were taught. Well, do, you, do you feel sometimes I think God set you up because I think you set me up not long ago because I had a similar yeah. experience at least that. Oh yeah. Because I started the Daniel plan. Uh huh. I like I, I like the the diet plan. Yeah. That they presented and I thought it was pretty healthy meals. And yeah. Pretty, you know, tasty meals and so I started to doing it and then I had this meeting that I had to go to and it was a pastor and his wife and a couple of people right. And so I was like, oh, I cannot not eat because I'm supposed to eat five times a day right. where our metabolism and, right. and everything. So I brought my plate. I said, okay, if I bring my plate because they've offered dessert. And I said, oh, I can't have any dessert. I'm off sugars right now. Yeah. And I said, okay, if I bring my dinner because I'm not supposed to miss dinner. Right. And I was like, yeah. So I sit down and I got salmon and um, asparagus and brown rice. And, that sounds good. And chunk now I'm hungry. <laughs> Thanks, Marina. I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, so then they had to ask. Yeah. And then I'm telling them about right. the plan and why I started. And right. What Rick Warren was saying about, you know, our bodies are the temple. And right. this is the only body you're going to get. So you need to appreciate it and treat it right. Right. And, you know, so, and then I looked around, I'm going, Lord, you just said, I'm the only one talking. And yeah. All eyes is on me. <laughs> why didn't you do that to me? <laughs> But when but when they ask, they want to hear. When somebody asks, you know the idea. I just eat my food. I wasn't going to tell nobody nothing. Well, because speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love is not the same as I love you. So I'm going to give you some hard truth. Right? No, it's saying I love you. And And then when someone asks, you answer. And answering the questions. Yeah. People and I need. just laugh when I let, I was like, Lord, you like totally set me up. That's yeah. what I know. Who that's, just messed me up? And that's what I think oh, it means. Which one of them, but you just set me And up. that's that's how God uses the willing. Oh, yes. You were obedient to what he was having you do. <laughs> yeah. And you were there. My personal so opinion. he used you, you know. <laughs> you were willing to take your meal. If you hadn't been willing to take your meal and had decided to just eat yeah. when you get home, then he wouldn't have used you at that point for that. Yes, because so. And you John, wouldn't and have I been in this. I brought a meal for John, but John got it a few. Didn't want to do it. In yeah. I'm like, I'm hungry. I mean, but that just makes everything so easy and so light because all I got to do is just worry about what's wrong. Worry about me you. And yeah. I don't have to tell anybody what's wrong with them because God's going to work on them. And the only thing I have to do is, is love them like I would love myself. Yeah. And, and learn how to love myself, like, you know, and allow God to love me and work for me. So it's just like so easy. 
yeah. in what it was. Except it's hard, but it's easier yeah, I mean, than yeah. it's, that. I know. Yeah, it's, it's hard in a different way. It's super duper crazy psycho hard getting out the clanking your eye, yeah. your own eye, focusing on yes. yourself and everything. But it's really easy because that naturally bears you know, naturally everybody else just bears testament to whoever's watching you. And I was right. um I'll just people will I'm so quiet at work unless I'm like active on the floor and I have to like tell you about your job or coach mm-hmm. you on something like right. other than that I keep to myself. So if somebody comes goes out of their way to ask me a question, yeah. like, oh, I bet. they'll see me do something weird or they'll see me hear me say something interesting or whatever. They'll just pick up on it real quick. Right. Like, why do you do that? Yeah. Why do you say that? Why do you eat that? And then I'm like stuck in this position where I have to explain. So I give them like this little quick answer. But uh-huh. like, then they I, want more. Then they want more and more yeah. and more. And they're so super curious. And then out of nowhere, they'll send me their research. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I totally didn't tell you to do this, but that's awesome. They make changes in their own personal right, lives right. because they were watching me. Right. And it's easy because I didn't know that they were watching me like that. Right. That's I think awesome. People research it for themselves is more effective. Because if I well, to tell you why I don't eat pork, that's one story. But if you go in search of why and find it out and read it for yourself, I think yeah. it's like. Much and that's what those fun. women did. And they were like, we said, yeah, go we research it. I don't want to eat this anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for you. Like, that's cool. Well, and it's kind of like I could, I could sit down with people. Mm-hmm. And scare the bejeepers out of them, and force them to say a prayer so that they can go to sleep tonight without fearing that they're going to burn in eternal torment if they do, fall asleep and die. Yeah. Or then, oh. if I don't go to church, they'll be okay. <laughs> I, I said, you know, if I was spiritually abusive, this is where I would suggest, and I'm like, this is where I would say, you know, you haven't been to church in a while. <laughs> Because I know they do that with the finances too. Yes, struggling right now. They're like, you know, you haven't been tired. I know. I know. I knew a pregnant lady who's like, I'm giving all the food to the kids, so I maybe eat an apple each day, and and blah blah. blah. And they're like, God is telling me that you haven't been tithing lately. And you need to trust like, more you with your finances yes. as they're praying over her. And I'm like, y'all are nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-uh. You need to give her food, not this. Right. Why don't you feed her? Why don't you feed her? Why don't you take her to the store and feed her? Because a woman who says that while she's pregnant, you feed her. That's love. That's love in action. Because you, she, you know, yeah, she probably went home and, and went beyond her means to try and do that and then who knows what she struggled with but That's when God you gives us abundance right so we could share right and share from what we have what right and and you know the the it was because I you know my brother it was interesting I shared with him um last time I was out there visiting about the the study that my friend had done on breaking down the tide based on taking it from an agricultural society to, to a monetary society and, and how she divided, you know, she just researched and you did this every three years and this, and then you did this and this, and she broke it, you know, broke up your 10% into those things. 
And, and it included the money to celebrate the feasts and festivals, to go where you needed to go to make pilgrimage, to, to bless your family at those seasons. And, you know, it took care of, of the priests and it took care of the building. And, you know, but it's broken up. It's but if not, you let them tell it, they tell you it's all supposed to go right to the church. Right, and then you it's should get more for these other things, you know. Yeah, you know, yes. like, and so, well, my brother and his wife, you know, looked at everything I sent them, and they went and looked at the verse, and they, and they prayed about it, and they, it had been a burden on them. They had been wanting, you know, to be giving more, and they said when they, when they took that and they applied it to their finances, light and easy burden. Like, suddenly it just became... Okay, A, we're already kind of doing this. We were just feeling guilty about it. Right. And now we see that this is by God's design. So now we're going to just be happy about doing this. We're going to be a joyful giver because we're giving in the way that God is instructing us to give. And see, in the churches I've been to, they lead to believe your 10% goes directly to the church. And, then, and they'll take care of all the and other then things. If you want to give something <laughs> to somebody, that's out of right. your right. And then when they have right. the missionary fund <laughs> once a year, right. you know, you've got to give past what you think you can and trust yeah. God to fill in the gaps. Yeah. Right, and right. Because yeah. we don't, yeah. we don't want our missionaries out there on faith. Yeah. Or yeah. the building yeah. fund. Yeah. Right. It might be the missionary fund. It might be the building right. fund. It might be the whatever fund. Pick a fund beyond the 10%. Right. So what are you basing it on? And they take you to a scripture. They take line. you to Micah where it says, Micah is a famous one. And guess that one, that one is, oh he's talking God. to the priests. See, he's saying to the priests, you're saying there's not enough for, to feed the poor. Right. And I'm saying it's because you're stealing it. Mm. The people gave it. Yeah. It's all there. You could feed the poor. You're not. So don't not feed the poor and then tell me that I'm not providing enough. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's just when you when you can stop, you know, stop looking. And it's even you know even even with oh, Tanya. Is she still there? Is she still there? Is your phone dying? Tanya, my Uh oh. Give me a caller. It says Tanya. Hello. Took a nap. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, when you can okay. your mind. Yeah, she's there. Oh. Yeah, just want to we didn't. We didn't want to lose you. Because we, you know, we I, finished. I really was kidding earlier. I, wait, what? I said <laughs> I. I said we didn't want to lose you, and I really was kidding earlier when I answered the phone. No, we weren't gonna hang up. We were just we just wanted to make sure you we didn't lose you. But okay, so so you know the love that in fact you know I would even go so far as to say speaking the truth in love is when they ask you, you love them enough to share. That you're not keeping it all to yourself, <laughs> yeah. you know, because because it's not it's not just for you, but it's the Holy Spirit that moves people to ask when you're not out there thinking you can do it. And that was one of the things I wrestled with with the you know with the way that different groups I was in did evangelism was it, it was very it was very not me. 
it was, you know, in no other area of my life would I be out there trying to make other people do something or adapt something or, or, you know, trying to, you know, when, when, when the, the approach that you have to take to get people to say the prayer involves scaring them to death. That's, you know, it's not really love. You know, I mean, I know, I know the people doing it love you so much. They don't want you to spend eternity in what they have been told you will spend eternity in if you don't do it. So, so they lo- it's, it's love. It's what they've been told is love. But it, it's not, it doesn't change you. You know, when God comes in and he does it, they now got, can God use that? Can God have somebody at that point, you know, at that crisis point? Yeah, God, you, if you're out there and you're willing, God will use you. But how much healthier and how much better is it when God, you leave that person's salvation to God mm-hmm. and you live the way you're supposed to and you love and you help and, and you know, because everybody will, everybody will say when you ask, well, you know, how, even at church, not everybody's saved, you know, well, no, they're not. And you can't really know. It's like a hospital, right? It is yeah. for the sick. Well, it's... Isn't that what Jesus said he came for? Well, he came for the sick, and notice he didn't spend a whole lot of time with the healthy. That I mean, is true. You know, what I, what, I think, what I think that the church's purpose... Sick always. I think that the church's purpose is supposed to be to take those who say they love God and help them understand what it means to focus on that log in their eye yeah. and equip them with how to go out and love the world so that when they go out into the world, they're a testimony. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think that we're, you know, and at different, in different generations, it's, it's kind of been different because of what the culture, but I don't think that if we're relying on bringing people in, to tell them about God, we're going to have very limited results because the people who don't already love him aren't likely to find their way in unless somebody drags them or it's a holiday, you know? <laughs> uh, we're almost done. Otherwise, I would say yes. Um, you know, so, so when we go out, you know, my desire is that, that as we study and we change our own lives and we focus that spotlight inward and, you know, I, I was going to share it years ago when I was, in, when I lived in Hawaii as a child, um, I, I got lava stuck in my eye because I was going down a slide and a kid threw sand at me. And, and so like, a, like six months later, somebody's talking to me and they're like, what is in your eye? What? And in the white of my eye, there was this piece of lava and it was, it was like, working its way from the corner of my eye where it went in, it had been working its way towards the center. And so I had to go to an ophthalmologist. And, you know, we've talked before about the kind of the Hebrew use of like the, the generous eye and the stingy eye and how, how that is a, it's, it's a commentary on how much light is going, is shining into inside of you. And, and so the process of getting the lava out of my eye involved going to the ophthalmologist and they had, they had this thing that like I had to put my eye up and it held my eye all open. So I couldn't, because he had to take a needle and go in with the magnifying glass and, and 
like removing a splinter. He had flick, the, flick it out of my eye. And, and so the very process of removing the log from our eye requires that our eyes be open and generous and letting God's light in. I still... Him we put numbing drops in it. I thought so, because I was like, there were numbing drops. All over the well, and I the, the way it went in, and it, I had to like press into it, and like you're trying to blink, but you can't. And yeah. it, you know, it was. But but the process of removing the log from our eye, it requires generous eyes to let the light in, so that the log can be exposed and removed. And what people see isn't necessarily. The, the log being removed, it's not like we're bearing that vulnerability. What they see is the generous eyes that, that are required to, to live that way. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's my prayer that we all go out this week, that we would pray, you know, that we would have generous eyes that let the light in, that, that God would be changing us. And, and I would even go so far as to say, if you find something somebody else is doing is really bothering you, Stop and ask God if that's because it's something in you he's convicting you of. Because we notice, kind of like when you buy a new car and suddenly it looks like everybody on the road has that car. You know, if you start tuning into something, it may be, and, and it may not be, you know, I know one of the things that I've been praying about recently, it may not even be something that you're doing so much as it may be something that you're judging. And God's trying to, help you release that so that you can be more loving to those people, you know. So that, that's my prayer this week. So with that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance upon you and grant you peace. All right. Amen. All right. So turn this up. <laughs>